0: Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Welcome back to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. NBA Draft Lottery Night. The draft lottery is set. We have the order and we're here to talk to you about it. Mike Randall here with you going solo tonight. Gus was supposed to join me. We had the rapid reacts planned. We were going to talk a little combine with you. But Gus, a victim of the terrible thunderstorms out here in New Jersey today, lost power tonight. So thinking about Gus, send him some tweets there on Twitter at CKerns12, or you can reach the podcast at SDS Podcast on Twitter. Send some good well wishes to Gus's way. He'll be back with me here before you know it. So I'm going to go solo here and give you a little reaction to the NBA Draft Lottery. This really is an incredibly exciting time for college basketball fans. Because you have the draft lottery, and now we are less than five weeks away from the June 21st NBA draft. The NBA draft has always held a special place in my heart and Gus's heart together. If you're a loyal listener to the show, we always love the NBA draft. We used to get together and watch the NBA draft every single year. I had a board in my house. Sometimes it was paper. Sometimes it was cards, index cards, whatever it is. We'd follow along with the NBA draft and put those cards up there. The best one ever was the Chris Webber one because I was a huge Chris Webber fan in college. And he came over, we'd party, we'd have like a party, NBA draft party. People think we're weird. So we really love this time of year. You talk about the prospects, where are they going? Remember last year we had the Lonzo Ball, De'Aaron Fox argument, all this fun stuff. So this really is a fantastic time. We had March Madness, we had the break, and now we're getting into the draft coming up real shortly. So tonight we had the NBA draft lottery and really fairly uneventful draft lottery, if I have to say so. If you look at where the teams came out, Phoenix came in with the best odds. They had a 25% chance, one in four chance of landing the first overall pick, and a 64.2% chance of landing a top three pick. They do end up with the first overall selection, Phoenix. The Phoenix Suns, with Josh Jackson, who is there tonight is a good luck charm, are on the clock officially for the t- June 21st NBA draft. Following that, Memphis had the second best odds, 20%, 1 in 5 of getting the top pick, and 55.8% of being a top three pick. They actually are one of the losers. They got the fourth pick, so they dropped out. Memphis, of course, one of the two teams that was clearly tanking this year in the NBA. The other one was the Dallas Mavericks. Mr. Cuban, the owner, was fined $600,000 earlier this year for basically admitting that he had a dinner with some players, saying that losing is, quote, our best option. So they tank. And they fall to number five. They did not get a top three pick. If you saw Dirk Nowitzki on Twitter, wrote, of course, <laughs> on his tweet. Third pick goes to Atlanta. That was a nice move. They were fourth, fourth and odd. So they actually move up a spot and they get the third pick. Memphis, as we said, fourth pick. Dallas with the fifth pick. Uh, Orlando finished with the sixth pick. Chicago is seven. And Everything else is pretty much true to form. Cavs ended up eighth. Knicks exactly at the spot, ninth. I feel like the Knicks have been picking ninth forever. Don't you, don't you think that? And then they had the Sixers at 10, which was the only drama because the Sixers and Lakers shared a table there to see who was going to get that pick. Ended up being the Sixers at 10. Uh, Charlotte at 11. The Clippers got 12 and 13. They got Detroit's pick there because of the Blake Griffin trade. So they go back to back. Nice chance for the Clippers there. Two uh, high picks there. They can get some good talent. And then Denver ends up 14, which is no surprise. They had over a 98% chance of ending up with that 14th and last pick. So your storylines, Phoenix keeps the top pick. And the questions are going to come right away. So there's so many things you're hearing about. Igor Kokoskov, the new head coach for Phoenix, he had coached in Europe. He had coached Slovenia out in Europe. And so he coached Luka Doncic. So that's going to be a name that's going to be a question is, is he going to stay in that realm? Is he going to stay in his European roots and draft Doncic, who he coached very successfully over in Europe? Of course, the main issue here is that Phoenix needs a big man, unless you're a big Alex Len guy, Tyson Chandler. Any of those guys do anything for you? Not for me. So you're looking at Aiton who's the Arizona product. You're looking at Marvin Bagley and of course there's a chance for Dončić who's not a center so he's more of a Ben Simmons like do-it-all guard. So those are your options. You have Booker there, you have TJ Warren, Josh Jackson. So Phoenix really is the big winner and this is a defining pick for the Phoenix Suns. The book years ago, was always that you take the big. You don't pass on the big. I remember Mike Francesa over here in New York talking about it. I was a huge Kevin Durant guy. I wanted Durant over Greg Oden. I didn't like Greg Oden's injuries. I didn't like his herky-jerky, sort of very not smooth, not agile, big man style. And he kept saying the old school motto, you can't pass on the big. You can't pass on the big. If there's a big day, you got to take it. People have gone away from that now, obviously, because there's not a lot of dominating bigs. But I'll say this. If you have a dominating big, you can't beat it. People go back and think about, oh, the, the Portland Trailblazers passed on Michael Jordan because they took Sam Bowie. Right. Who went first in that draft, folks? Hakeem Elijahwan. Right. So if you have a dominating big, you have to make that pick. It's a game changer. You can fight slashes all over the place. I just watched the Celtics Cavaliers game, too. And remember, the Celtics, and besides Brad Stevens being God, we know this, Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, who is not an offensive guy, you can survive in the NBA with average slashers. I mean, Terry Rozier was not a fantastic player at Louisville. Neither was Donovan Mitchell. So maybe there's something in the water at Louisville. But you can get by with those. It's harder to find the bigs. That's the issue. So if the Phoenix Suns feel that DeAndre Ayton or Marvin Bagley is a absolute mortal lock for all-NBA, all-star type of guy, all-NBA, all-star type of player. You got to take him first. So that's the question. After that, Sacramento. Nice pick for Sacramento. They got De'Aaron Fox last year, who had a decent year, started slow, but came on strong. You know I like him. I like him better than Alonzo Ball. That's looking pretty good right now, I think. I think that's a great pick for them. And then you have Atlanta after that, who has a chance to get one of these three guys. I have to tell you, I think Atlanta's a big winner in this draft. If you're Atlanta coming into this, you were saying, ah, uh, you know, we pick fourth, we pick fourth, we're going to miss out on one of the big three, one of the big three. We're going to be looking at like a Jaron Jackson. We're going to be looking at so many different players, but there's a there's a drop off. Well, you know what? You are know, you know you're getting one of these great guys. Doncic seems to be the real deal, seems to be a high floor guy. The European players are coming over, they're making an impact, whether you're talking about Dirk Nowitzki, all these guys coming over, they're doing a nice job. So it's not as unknown as it used to be. So I think Atlanta's a huge winner from this. And then you have the rest of them there. So June 21st, NBA draft. Can't wait for it to come. You're going to have a lot of rumors. Make sure to check out our site, uh, our site, randallrand.com. We're going to have our predictions up there, Gus and I, for the NBA draft. We're going to have a lot of information for you. We also have, which we've talked about, our YouTube channel where we do our NBA draft profiles. So we're putting up as many players as we can find for NBA draft profiles on our YouTube channel, just search Screen the Screener, College Basketball Podcast YouTube. It'll come right up. Subscribe to us. Give us some some comments. We'd really appreciate it. And we're very happy to say that the patrons are coming into the program at a record pace. We told you that we opened our Patreon.com account. We have three levels for you. You can donate a dollar a month. You can donate $3 a month. You can donate $6 a month. We got people contributing to the show at all three levels. We cannot thank you enough. You are our board of directors. You are the people who are going to run the show for us. You get different rewards for each one of those, but we need this, folks. We need this to keep us going, and we will give back. You come in at the $6 per month level. You get a screen-to-screener T-shirt right off the bat. We, we email you right away and say, what's your size? We ask you who you want us to preview. We'll send you private MBA draft Videos to your email account of players that you want that will not be available to everyone else on the YouTube channel. And you'll have an extra podcast a week, a private podcast, sometimes a, a voice one, sometimes a video one, where we'll get behind the scenes in the show. Stories like we just told you about the NBA draft, how we came to make in this podcast, where we started, Gus and I, history, things that we love. We love college basketball. We have so many stories to share with you, so many things to talk about, and that's what the board of directors, the people who contribute to the show, to fund the show, to keep it going, will get with the the behind-the-scenes Patreon.com. So go to Patreon.com. Again, a dollar a month, folks, that's nothing. It's 25 cents a week. I put my money where my mouth is. I contribute to other podcasts as well. We appreciate it, and you will guide the show. You will determine what we talk about, how we do, and, of course, as we get to our huge team preview series for the college basketball season, you'll be able to guide us. If there's a team you want us to get, we will get it for you. That's how it works. So a lot of exciting things here at the podcast. Now, a couple thoughts here, as you know I have. We have 69 players who are invited to this combine. It's going to start on Thursday. It's going to go Thursday and Friday at Quest Multisport in Chicago. You can see it on ESPN too. Now, the NBA combine is not quite at the level of the NFL combine, but it's getting there. It's getting closer. And it's very, very important for a lot of these players who can move up or move down depending on their combine results. Here are some thoughts for you. I think Raleigh Hawkins is a fascinating player. You know, it's a shame because all of these players, and you know this, they think they're going to the league. Absolutely. They think they're going to the league. They think they're destined to be in the league, and they're good enough. Raleigh Hawkins, if you remember, came to the Combine last year. He had the injured hand, and he decided to come back. Folks, you have to understand, it's possible to be a very, very good college player and not be successful in the pros, I don't understand why some of these players we're going to talk about are freshmen or sophomores and they're leaving. I don't get it. I would much rather, unless there's a financially driven situation for your family, some of a lot of these guys are going to go sit on the bench for two or three years. Jakob Pertl finally gets some minutes this year in Toronto. I remember seeing that. I was laughing. Gus and I went out to Milwaukee. One of our close friends works out there with the Milwaukee Bucks. I would rather stay in college, be dominant in college, and then go out. If you're coming out and being a second-round pick, why would you not want to stay in college and dominate and maybe be a first-round pick? Or at worst, be a second-round pick, but get to enjoy college some more, unless you have a financial situation. But I don't get it. A lot of these guys I'm going to read to you right now, I think they're going to the draft. I think they're second round. I think they're G League. I think they're back and forth. I think they're playing in Sioux City Falls. I don't think that's a lifestyle they want. No chance. So let's take a look. I'm a Roley Alkins guy. But folks, as a shooting guard, he's six foot four, hundred twenty-three pounds. His handle's not great. He's not a great shooter. He's sort of a thick Brahma bull, bull thick Brahma bull in a China shop type of guy. That's what Roley Alkins is. I don't know if that fits. I mean, you want to tell me he's like a bigger Marcus Smart? I don't think he's as great a defender as Marcus Smart, and I don't think he's even that as skilled offensively. I love Roley Alkins. But I don't think when he came back this year, he improved his draft stock. So I don't get that. Raleigh Hawkins is projected now as an early second round pick on a lot of sites. He was a sophomore. I think he should have come back to Arizona. I know that all the stuff going on there with the FBI fog probably contributed to this. But if you're an NBA team, what do you see Raleigh Hawkins as? I guess he's a guard, a defensive guy off the bench. He is not a shooter. And if you're gonna be six foot four in the National Basketball Association and you're not a great shooter, I think you have question marks. I like Roley Alkins, I think his combine is very important for him. Next is Grayson Allen. Boy, I mean, here's the example of why people end up going. Because Grayson Allen comes back, he's probably a first-round pick if he leaves. Two years ago, he's coming into the season, people are talking about being all American. Now he came back and solved, I think, a lot of his character issues. And he is a great athlete. There's no doubt about that. But here's another one of these guys from Duke, and you got a lot of them here that I'm not sure how they're gonna be. Grayson Allen, he's projected in second round. Now he's he's a little different than a Raleigh Alkins. He's six for four hundred ninety-five pounds. He is a tremendous athlete, smart player, knows how to play through the Duke system, and he's a tremendous shooter. And if you can shoot, you'll always find a job in the NBA, SJJ Reddick. So Grayson Allen, another guy who should have a good combine here. He should be able to play well, especially when you're playing in those scrimmage games where no one plays any defense. I talked about this before. I don't understand why on earth Cade Bates-Diop is being mocked to the end of the first round. This is a guy who popped this year for Ohio State. You could have argued he should have been first team All-American. He ended up being Big Ten Player of the Year. He single-handedly led Ohio State to the NCAA tournament when we thought they weren't going to be really very good this year. They were picked like, what, 10th, 11th in the Big Ten? He went 20 points per game, 8.7 rebounds, 1.6 assists, 1.6 blocks, and a steal. He's a do-everything small forward, and he has the size at 6'7". I'm looking at some of the players small forwards mocked ahead of him. I'm going to be honest, folks, no one, if you listen to this podcast, was a bigger fan of Miles Bridges coming in this last year. No one i take Keita Bates-Diop over Miles Bridges. I think he fits the NBA system better. I think his wingspan, his defensive ability, his length, he can shoot it. i take him ahead of him. And some of the most bizarre things, how on earth would you take Kevin Knox at Kentucky? And we'll get back to Kevin Knox in a little bit. Uh, If you're looking for that small forward as player, small forward 6'7", Knox is 6'9", but Bates-Diop jumps out of the gym, wingspan is much longer. Sure, Knox is a better shooter, but you can find shooters all over the place. Kade Bates-Diop is a guy who I think can really move himself up here because he is mocked to the late first round, makes no sense to me whatsoever. Saw a lot of people online talk about Tyus Battle. The question is, was Tyus Battle being restricted in the system in Syracuse? Because certainly he was an integral part of leading this Syracuse team to their run in the NCAA tournament that none of us saw coming, right? I mean, they're in the playing game, and then all of a sudden they get hot. We get that. But no one was a big Syracuse fan. I remember Gus said that he thought he they weren't going to make it and I understand that, Gus, because that was the majority of most people were saying that. So Ty's battle is a, is sort of an unknown quantity that I'm going to look at here and, and and see how he goes. Brian Bowen, you know, who knows how Brian Bowen's going to be? Could go to could go back to South Carolina, but he's going there to sort of see how he goes. And I, I find the the Brian Bowen and the Michael Porter Jr. zealots to be fascinating. People love Brian Bowen and feel that he got screwed over in Louisville, and people love Michael Porter Jr. They love him. Yet everyone who loves Michael Porter Jr. probably hasn't seen him play. I would have a very difficult time taking Michael Porter Jr. in the top 10 when I've never seen the guy play. Ben Simmons, we saw play for one year at LSU. I have never seen Michael Porter Jr. play. And most people who tell you he's awesome have never actually seen them play. We have no basis for drafting Michael Porter Jr. in the top 10, except from what you're reading online. None whatsoever. I mean, would you take Michael Porter Jr. ahead of McCall Bridges? Really? Based on what? National champion, guy was one of the best players, length, had big games in college. Porter Jr. did nothing. Michael Porter Jr., show me something at the combine. You show me. You show me something. Is a guy like a Tony Carr, who I think is really interesting from Penn State. I have no idea why Tony Carr didn't come back. No idea whatsoever. Tony Carr's mock mid to late second round, sophomore, 19 points per game, five rebounds, five assists, solid player. But he could have come back to Penn State and led Penn State to the NCAA tournament and even better. Penn State won the NIT this year. Could have been a real contender in the Big Ten. But Carr goes, signed with an agent already. That's another guy I want to see. Had some big moments, played well against Purdue this year. I remember watching that game. Other guys really quick I want to talk about, Javon Carter. Love Javon Carter, rooting for him, wonderful player, great college player, great kid. Want to see him do really well. Curious how he's going to do with the measurables there. Not a high flyer, Javon Carter, but real solid leader, a winner. You know, very Kemba Walker-esque Javon Carter. Obviously not as great a shooter, but that type of character, that type of player who can carry a program. I expect Javon Carter to find an NBA roster and sustain success somewhere. You got the Kentucky group, Hamadou Diallo. People who had Hamadou Diallo last year as a top 15 pick. And I guess this is my point. You can argue, the, the, the naysayers against me can argue that Hamadou Diallo, see Mike see Mike Randall? Hamadou Diallo should have come out because he would have been a top 15 pick and maybe a lottery pick. By going back to Kentucky, he hurt himself. Maybe, guys. But maybe he's just not that good. So I don't really want a kid to fast forward into the NBA to make money, which more than likely, guys, kids get the money and they spend it. Very rarely does somebody come into the NBA, get a first uh, initial round contract, bust out of the NBA and be rich for the rest of their life. I wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. Gus wouldn't do that. We try, but like your kids, this is what you do, right? So I don't take Hamadou Diallo coming back to Kentucky and being lost offensively for most of the year as a reason why he should have declared. I'm saying he's just not that good. So I'm not going to say, oh, you should go if you're not good. I think you should go for sustained success. And I'm sorry, Hamadou, if you missed out on playing well in the NBA, but if you weren't playing well in Kentucky this year in that situation with Cal, who obviously can cultivate talent, then you wouldn't have done a good job in the NBA either. You'd be down in the G League. So yeah, maybe you missed out on a guaranteed contract, but maybe you're not that good to begin with. And I don't sit there and say that's a loss because he didn't go. I'm sorry. Because he got to go to Kentucky and maybe there was a little bit of a regression correction there on how good he was. Maybe he'll get to a better landing spot. The guy who's going to pop this week, and I'm calling it right now. And you can let us know when it happens. You congratulate me at Randall Rand on Twitter. Contact the podcast at SDS Podcast. Dante Divincenzo is going to pop. Dante Divincenzo has all the measurables to be a long-standing, tremendous all-star player in the NBA. He is Clay Thompson. It's the same type of profile. He can shoot it. He's a great handle. He can jump. Big guy. Love Dante DiVincenzo. You mark this down. Dante DiVincenzo will have a tremendous combine this week, and Dante DiVincenzo will be a first-round pick in the NBA draft. You can take it to the bank. On the flip side of that, DiVincenzo started as a guy, as a bench guy, and he ended up now being a tremendous story and super hot, and somebody NBA execs are really looking at. The flip side is Travon Duval. So Trayvon Duval comes to Duke. I give Rob Doster a lot of credit there. He's the one who said that he wasn't sure if he was a good point guard, and he was correct. He is not a point guard. He is an off guard who was asked to play point, and he did not have a good season. Why on earth would Trayvon Duval, who, by the way, is predicted mid at best second round, why on earth would he declare for the draft? Why? Why not go back to Duke and learn and get better? Again, Trayvon Duval is not getting a guarantee contract. He's not going in the first round. And so he is going to be riding the pine or going back and forth to G League. And I don't know why on earth you wouldn't rather go back to Duke and play for a national title. Makes no sense to me. So Trayvon Duval, best of luck. Melvin Frazier Jr., another guy with all the measurables. A guy who is under the radar because Tulane was under 500 this year. We just put a video up about him on YouTube, on the YouTube channel. Melvin Frazier Jr. is a guy who can find his way into that first round. He's a very early second round type of guy. He's a junior, so he's been there for a few years. 6'6", 200 pounds, huge wingspan, 16.6 rebounds, three assists, two steals, super quick. He's a sleeper. You're going to be laughing. Melvin Frazier Jr. is the type of guy who could end up going in the top 25. And people say, who's that again? He is a great, great find. Somebody I'm really looking forward to who's going to look good at this combine for sure. Shy Gilders Alexander was the best Kentucky player this year. So he's somebody who could really pop and solidify his spot in the early first round. Right now, he's just outside of a lottery pick, but we did see some great things from him. And again, there was sort of a positionless type of Kentucky year with those players. So Shy Gilders Alexander is someone also 6'6, 180. Could make himself some money with a really good combine here. A. Johnson, you know how much we love him from Missouri State. Want to see him do very well. Kevin Knox. Let's get to Kevin Knox. Folks, just because you're a top five recruit, just because you're a five-star recruit and you go to a great program like Kentucky and you're their leading scorer, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have succ- sustained success. I'm predicting now that Kevin Knox is going to have a huge fall on draft night. Kevin Knox reminds me of a player that I saw back in the 90s, Scotty Thurman. Scotty Thurman was a tall, long, great shooter for the Arkansas Razorbacks. Scotty Thurman led the Arkansas Razorbacks to the 1994 national title. 76-72 over Duke. Scotty Thurman and Corliss Williamson, tremendous. They won the title in 94-94. They went back to the national championship game in 95. So I'm going to tell you this right now for all you youngins out there. Scotty Thurman was a dominant college player, long, shoot it, super talented player. And think about this. He was 6'6", 210, so a little shorter than Knox, but he was more athletic, could jump better. And he led Arkansas to their first national championship ever in 1994 and got him back to the title game in 1995. That's a dominant run. Everybody said Scotty Thurman's going in the first round. Everybody said it. Absolutely. He leaves early. He leaves after his junior year to declare. I always thought Scotty Thurman was a weeble. I remember sitting with Gus there watching the draft going, he stinks. He's a really good college player. That's what he is. His game does not translate to the NBA. And when I see Kevin Knox... I see Scotty Thurman. Knox went into that. He was dropping. You had the television zooming in on him, the whole thing. Why is he? He was not drafted. Now, Kevin Knox will be drafted. I'm not nuts. But I expect the same progression for Kevin Knox that Scotty Thurman had. And here's what happened. He went to Sioux City. Then he bounced around in Europe. Then he went to try some different club teams. And now he's an assistant coach at Arkansas. Kevin Knox can shoot it. Scotty Thurman could shoot it. Kevin Knox had good averages in college. Scotty Thurman scored a lot of points and had good averages in college. But their games don't translate to the NBA. Kevin Knox is not a good pick, and I expect him to drop. I would be shocked if Kevin Knox is picked in the first 15 picks. If he is, and it's on your favorite NBA team, call them up email them, and tell them they made a mistake because they did. I could see Kevin Knox sliding to the end of round one, and if he slid to round two, I'll feel badly for him, but I told you so, folks. I don't like Kevin Knox at all. I don't think the combine is going to help him at all, and all these mock drafts that have him because of name, it's name bias, right? They have him going ahead of shy Gilgis Alexander. They have him as a possible lottery pick. Forget it. No chance. That's a guy I would avoid completely. We got a ton of videos up on the YouTube channel. One of them is DeAnthony Melton. It's the most popular one we have right now. Again, a very unknown guy. Had a really good freshman year. Didn't play this year because of the FBI situation, but somebody who's rising on the draft boards because of his all-around ability to do everything, has good size, and he's a guy that you want to watch to see. He's another person who could really help himself and help his stock with a really good combine this week. I'm curious to see how Malik Newman does. I want to see if Malik Newman can continue his end of season basically on fire best player in Kansas at the end of the season there let's see if he can continue that momentum into the combine because he's a guy who was sort of up and down most of the year but really found his stride and let's see if that can push him forward I can't wait to see Billy Preston because we haven't seen anything about him All we know about Billy Preston is he drives a car or he allegedly drove a car in Kansas so I'm dying to see how Billy Preston does Mitchell Robinson, Gus and I have talked a lot about, him, especially Gus, at the big man, Mitchell Robinson, who couldn't play at Western Kentucky there because he was transferring back and forth. He's a guy that I think we're real curious on. I've gotten a lot of questions on Omari Spellman. The big man from Villanova shoots it, does stuff inside, really came on, was one of the great players, great players in the, in the NCAA tournament as well. Will Spellman come back? Your Villanova fans out there feel if Spellman comes back, they are absolutely, again, the lead for the national championship contender next year but Spellman may go. I'd love to see Spellman come back because remember the beginning of the year he was not playing well, zero points in some games, just flaking in and out and he got hot. I think he comes back, I think he's a first team all-American. I think he dominates. But certainly if Spellman thinks he's going in round 1, he's going to bolt. He's going to want that money. Kyrie Thomas is a huge sleeper, very talented player. Guy just hired an agent so he's in. That's another one I think you want to keep your eye on. Of course there's Alonzo Trier. All the stuff going on with Trier about the FBI fog and everything that went on this year. Again, he has the issues with the PEDs. I see Alonzo Trier as somebody who could potentially not get drafted. I could definitely see that happening because there's just too much smoke and concerns around him. And my last comment that I'm going to talk about tonight is Trey Young. Folks, Trey Young is going to be a star. He's going to be a star because he did everything, almost in the same way that Stephen Curry did in college. And he did it in a bigger conference. Trey Young can play. He can ball. He came in as a freshman this year with not a huge amount of fair and fair nationally. I mean, some. The whole thing was a ball boy in Oklahoma. He stayed home, Lon Kruger, But he was not a guy who was expected to do anywhere near what he did. Sure, he wore down at the end of the year, but he carried that Oklahoma team on his back. I'm reading now online that all the sneaker companies want Trey Young. They don't want the bigs. They want Trey Young. The kid's going to be a star. I think he's somebody that has to go in the first couple picks there. I'm looking at the teams. I don't think Phoenix takes him. I don't think Sacramento takes him. I don't know about Atlanta. I think he is the perfect player to go to a Memphis or Dallas. I know Cuban would love him. He would never get past Cuban at 5. So I think that's his floor, but my I'm suspecting that he may go a little earlier. I just think that after those teams passed on Stephen Curry and he went 7th, and they're not concerned. He was six, the right six for three hundred ninety pounds. People said he's too small. Curry's uh, Trey Young's handle is solid. It's incredible. His range is great. He's only going to get stronger. And to have the impact that he did in the Big Twelve, either number one or number two in terms of the best conference in the country for basketball, that is truly amazing. It's even more amazing than what Curry did at Davidson. It really is. Trey Young, high floor, safe player, not getting past five. Part of me roots for Dallas because I think it'd be real exciting but then part of me doesn't want to see Mark Cuban get this for tanking. But in any event, I think he's an electric type of player who's going to be a star in the NBA. So there's our really quick rundown. Like I said, follow us on Twitter at SDS Podcast, myself at Randall Rant, Gus at Kearns 12 Please go to iTunes, five-star ratings and review. Those have been coming. It's fantastic. And please check out Patreon. Again, we are working for you folks, and we have a lot of great things coming up. We have gifts. We have things for you to, to give away. So please support the pod because it enables, enables us to give back more to you. That was my little rundown on the Combine. We talked about the lottery. Let's hope that my good friend Bart, and partner Gus has some power tomorrow morning, and we will be back very, very soon. Hopefully we'll get one in the next few days or so, even this week, to catch up on all the Combine news to see how everything's going. But, folks, Screen the Screener is starting to warm up. The lottery is set. The draft's coming. Combine's here. It's a great time to be a college basketball fan.